Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, everybody, welcome to uh, Career Crossroads podcast. Uh, for the next 15 or minutes, uh, 15 minutes or so, I'm going to be your ship's captain. Uh, and we are going to have another Have You Met episode. Uh, this segment is just where we take a second and sit down with a talent acquisition leader or industry personality and get to know them a little bit, a little bit about them, uh, and maybe discover something you wouldn't find buried in their LinkedIn profile. Uh, and just talk a little bit about what's top of mind for them. So today I have Alan Goldberg. Alan is at Dell. Uh, he's been there for a number of years, but currently he is the global head of talent acquisition, running that COE out of there. Alan, good afternoon. Hello, Chris, and thank you for having me. It's good to be here. I'm glad I'm glad you decided to sit down with us and just chat for a little bit. Um, Alan, for those who may not actually know who you are, because uh, you've been at Dell, I think, for uh, three, three years now. Yep. Okay. And pro- always talent acquisition? Yeah. My whole career in general is all talent acquisition with a uh, small uh, foray into human resource generalist work, which didn't um, go well for me. But yeah, it wasn't my thing. I really love talent acquisition. I I think I've always loved the sales kind of aspect of what we do. It just appeals to me and getting into the employee relations side of things and compensation just, just didn't do it for me. So I didn't, I didn't continue down uh, that path, but I've been doing this uh, you know, since uh, well, just about around the time when Michael was coming out with his first PCs is about the same time that I started. So we weren't quite using PCs yet. Yep. in our industry. So I got to you know, live through the dynamic changes our industry saw from everything from engaging with computers to engaging the internet and now engaging with things like artificial intelligence. Wow. Here at Dell um, since 2018, starting off leading sales, uh, delivery, uh, recruiting, moved in, into also taking on diversity and then completely left those roles. And last October took on the role of the global COE for talent acquisition. Nice, nice. Yeah, I like the transition there. I think uh, I had just had a, a conversation with somebody the other day about um, the radical idea of recruiters picking up the telephone uh, and actually yes. calling people. And I was like, I, I remember when that was our only option. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, I was looking at some data just yesterday, I think it was with a group of people and what we, what we didn't see was recruiters making a request in this data for contact information. And the first thing I said was, well, why? And somebody said, well, maybe they're not qualified. I'm like, but they've got to be qualified. enough. like they, somebody might've had 600 profiles, yeah. but only three requests for data. I'm like, but they got to be qualified enough to at least network. Are we networking? Like, like, or is that just lost? Like is every motion we have about a direct outcome with the person that you're reaching out to or is it more about well let me just network and build on top of each conversation that i'm going to have and i don't know that i get the sense that as a community we do that as much anymore let alone the telephone oh yeah well i mean and heaven forbid they're not qualified today but they might be qualified tomorrow like there may be a you know a period of time yeah. that they ramp up and you you want to be able to get to know that that person before they're a true candidate yeah, I'll date myself now, but I, I just shared this story um, 
I once upon a time uh, had a beeper and I kept that beeper for 10 years after I had any right to have a beeper. I think it was Sky Page or something. You might remember that we were a pretty oh, big man. company. Um, but the reason I kept it was periodically somebody called that damn number and it was a candidate because those are the only people who really had that number. And it just really speaks to the longevity of the work that we can be doing, right? Relational talent acquisition. And it's not about just today. It is about maybe I'll never hire you or place you if I'm an agency. Maybe I'll hire your cousin or your best friend, or maybe one day you'll become a client of mine. It's about the relationship and it's really about building a bridge with each other because somewhere along our journeys, there might be value for each of us in this relationship. And that also, I think, not for everybody, I don't want to paint a too broad a picture, but I think sure. for a lot of folks, it might be a bit of a lost uh, focus area. I won't even say art, but just they're not even thinking that that's a thing I should go do. They're so focused on that I got to fill the job now that we're not paying attention to that. It is a very tactically, like a lot of the recruiters that, that we have connected with, it is a very tactical approach to filling jobs now, as opposed to, to forgive me, two decades ago, when for us, those of us who were like-minded anyway, it was all about the more connections that I have, the more people that you know I may be able to work with to either fill a role or get a referral to fill a role. And I wonder, I wonder if that is a shift in uh, the leadership because candidly, right, those of us who were more open networkers are now in those leadership roles. And I wonder why the recruiters that are that are working with us uh, are a little more focused on, I need 12 people here, I need two people here. And if you can't help me with that, I'm swiping left. Yeah, I think if you, whoever's listening to this, I think if you ask them, we'll get- We have five people. listeners, Alan. We have five listeners. Those five people, we're going to get five different perspectives. But I suspect some of it probably- you know, has to do with technology getting in the way a little bit, like how technology is forcing us to work. Some of it's probably, you know, most TA organizations are probably under constant optics challenge uh, mm -hmm. to, to deliver more with less resources. So we're, we're really putting this pressure on our teams to just get to the, you know, nuts and bolts of what you need to deliver and then move on. Um, and yet we're still always trying to balance that out by using different technologies to give them back time. And I'm not always sure that that works because in, it feels like we're just giving them more busy stuff to do. Um, and it's just, it feels a little bit like a cycle. Are we ever really getting to it? It always feels like, I wish I could just give them, you know, we used to have two things, right? We had a paper resume and we would uh -huh. come through them all the time to see who I wanted to call. And then we had index cards with, when this was when I was on the agency side, we had index cards that we would scroll through, which we would write down our, our prospect companies or our client companies on and yeah. you would call, that's it. That's, and that's what I got graded on at the end of the day, right? Did I fill in my call sheet for each of those at a requirement of 25 client calls and believe it or not, 150 recruiting calls. Nobody ever got to 150, but that's what you were always targeting to get to and the pressure was always on. That kind, that kind of forced conversation, it was almost like you were putting deposits every day in your bank account and then one day compound interest worked in your favor. That was the benefit of it. And when you're not doing that, you're not getting that compound interest a year or three years from now as the reward back. And that's sort of a missing element, I would think for some recruiters. Yeah, so I, I would imagine to you that now if you were to hear a beeper tone 
Immediately, you're thinking dividends. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly what it used to be. We used to, uh, there was a, <laughs> were you in the agency side? Uh, I was, uh, well, I was a, I was contracted through a boutique uh, for a little while, which is where right before I went into corporate and I did that for about a year and a half and it okay. was old school Rolodex, smile and dial. Yeah. Well, my, you know, my history is a mix of, you know, growing up on the agency side in New York City and then going into corporate uh, recruiting uh, with uh, Munich Reinsurance, Prudential Insurance, a little bit with Pepsi, Gartner. I had a couple of stints with Gartner uh, and then most recently with Dell. Um, but the agency side in New York City, <laughs> down the street from us on Fifth Avenue, where there was a suit shop called Dino Baldini's. And whenever we got a great, when that beeper would go off and we got a great candidate, like we met with them and we knew this was money in the bank, uh -huh. we would call the client and say, I'm sending them over with the invoice. And by the way, I'll be down at Dino Baldini's buying myself a new suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how confident I was that this person was going to get the job. Nice. I do miss those um, those days. Oh, that's funny. Well, Alan, let me let's switch gears for a little bit because I do want to talk about um, what's top of mind for you right now, and if it's if it's about the power of sort of giving recruiters back during a really strange time of you know we've got a light at the end of the tunnel for the pandemic. We hope uh, if it's about figuring out what's going on from a sort of a wellness and headspace issue for them, if it's really about how to just get your business into a new normal, or if you have something that's completely off the radar for anybody else that you're actually working on, what, what is it that's sort of, for lack of a, of, of a better phrase, sort of keeping you up at night? Um, really good question. I, I think probably the things that are on my radar are probably similar to most other people. One is it's coming out of COVID. And one of the things, right, maybe about three weeks ago, that hit my radar is, oh my God, we put all these special rules and guidance in place during COVID mm -hmm. that we forgot we did, right? The big ones we knew, like hiring freeze and any special process. But then there were subplots to that across everything from global mobility to relocation to return to site, to our website, our internal site, all the guidance around our policies where we put up special you know, blurbs to warn people, hey, whatever we said in this policy, it's not exactly accurate right now during COVID. Sure. So the last few weeks has been an exercise in starting to unwind some of those policies. And as we're coming out of it, we're recognizing that well, some things might go back to the way they were. Some things are probably gonna stay the same now until we're really out of it because we're not truly out of it. We're in this weird period now. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of it might look different. And for the different stuff, we've got to go figure out, well, what is that? And what's the impact of all of that? And actually right before this, I was sending an email because we're realizing across several different teams and Dell's a big company, right? 160,000 employees, a lot of different business units. Um, so it takes a lot of us sometimes. I have a joke. We we had a we had an ad and I before a job grade. So we went from an S for sales to an IS for inside sales. It mm -hmm. took 50 people in four months to add an I before an S. So it gives you an idea of sometimes what it takes. It, although Dell's very nimble and entrepreneurial, when it comes to process changes, we're a little less so. Um, so that's one of the things that's on my mind as we're coming out of this is what do we need to change? 
and re-communicate out to our teams because managers turn on the hiring again and it's all bets are off and nobody knows what to do. And honestly, nobody knows who should know. So that's one of the things that's on our minds. And it's really important to us to make sure our, our team at least has some direction there. The yeah. other thing impact of COVID specifically is, you know, we spent a year not really doing much. Our recruiters have forgotten how to do some of the basic things in the, in the systems. And something's actually changed during that time. And because they weren't using those muscles, they never got to build that into a repeatable kind of motion. So we're recognizing also that, hey, we've got to make sure our team knows how to do these things because, and again, like a lot of folks, and I've been on a few roundtable calls, they all seem to be experiencing the same, except for healthcare companies, which remain busy. The rest of us all of a sudden got busy and we got really busy. Mm-hmm. So we went from zero to a hundred in the matter of two to three weeks. Yeah. And we're trying to up, upscale our team again and bring in new recruiters and new sourcers to meet the new demand. But in the meantime, our recruiters are overwhelmed. And that's a theme that I'm hearing from other folks as well. So short term, these are some of the things that are on my mind. How do we come out of COVID? And how do we make sure our teams are positioned to be successful and that we have all the right policies and we're communicating them out to everybody? The other big thing is diversity. Uh, so, you know, during the year of COVID, we also experienced a, a major kind of shift with the George Floyd incident that occurred. And several months prior to that, in November of 2019, we announced what we call our um, 2030 moonshot goals to the world. We basically are reporting out to the world our representation of diversity. Uh, and with that, we also announced that we have real goals of delivering 50% gender diversity by 2030 and 25% underrepresented minority diversity in, in the US, uh, and that's Black and Hispanic, um, and 40% gender in leadership and 15% underrepresented minority in the US in leadership by 2030. And that got a little bit of motion and then COVID hit, so it sort of started fizzling. And then yeah. all of a sudden in May, it just became this just typhoon of a wave of COVID is not an excuse for us not to be moving forward full scale and operationalizing this plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started moving in that direction and that's uncovered, especially in a te- technology company, uh, the gaps that we have. And it's not just a you know, there's a shortage of desire. There's no shortage of desire to go out and do what some people might feel is the right thing, hiring greater diversity. It's how the heck do you get that done? Uh, and how do you find the talent pools and do they exist for us in the first place? Or are we going to have to go change some of the barriers that get in the way of pools that yeah. are there? Or are we going to have to go find completely new talent pools? So I'm spending a lot of my time right now um, meeting with leaders of TA from other companies to understand what have they done? Mm-hmm. How are they um, looking at some of the solutions that we're looking at or what else are they looking at as solutions? And what I'm finding is we're all in the same boat and we're all gonna go on this journey together. A handful of companies might be a little bit ahead of us, um, but most companies are really still trying to move in that direction and figure it out. 
Yeah, I think some leaders, really good points. I think some leaders are actually arguing that the pandemic and the forced work environment change, right, for many of the organizations is lending itself to more diverse hiring when they're able to hire uh, and, and trying to sort of uncover uh, what's what's actually the crux of that? Like, what what has made that change uh, even a pleasant, unplanned change uh, such a strong possibility? I've been calling this uh, sort of the year of calibration, right? Where we're, we're taking a look at what's going to stick, and I think this resonates with with everything you're sort of talking about. Is what's going to stick that was good uh, as we come out of this? What changes did we have to make? We've got a member company that hires. Uh, they were hiring 50,000 people and they and they typically have a 90 day, 60 to 90 day time to fill. They got it down to two to three days. And so now they're wow. looking and they did that because they took some duplication out. They took approval, you know, multi-level approvals out. They took background checks to a degree out, drug screens in some markets. So, and obviously a lot of that mandatory courts being closed and that kind of thing. But, you know, when we sat down and talked to him and said, well, what sticks? And he says, as much as possible. We get done with this. We're never going to be a two-day time to fill, but maybe we're at two weeks, right? Because we can get rid of. We've learned what we can absolutely sort of live without. Um, I've got a panel. Well, the leadership meeting that's coming up, and I hope you're going to be there. We've got a mixologist coming in uh, to train all of us how to make some mixed drinks. But the second hour is talking with the leaders about about what bad combination making the mixed drinks. Combination. (laughs) We're going to talk about what sticks, right? And I've got a panel that I'm doing um, virtually with Australian talent leaders uh, coming up in May, exact same thing. Like what coming out of this is going to stick? What change did they have to make to stick? And I think you hit it right from a DEI standpoint, it's a really big piece. Uh, and just getting back to the basics, uh, deciding what to focus on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that um, a big thing that's sticking for a lot of companies and obviously Dell uh, inhabits this space, which is remote work, right? Dell Dell was a leader in the remote workspace before uh, the pandemic. It was just a direction that we went 10 years ago. Um, But we're probably moving from around 27 to 30% to more like 60 to 70% remote or hybrid remote Mm -hmm. um, environment. And inherent in that is a lot of questions. It's easy for leaders to say, hey, we're going to do this. It's another thing as you sort of cascade down into the levels of the organization, well, how do you make that work? And mm-hmm. are we going to do that across all job families of particular types? Or is it going to be up to men? Like, where are these decisions coming from? So I think we're navigating a lot of that now to see what's going to stick. And I think we're very confident that's a big motion that's going to stick and will help with the other motions around diversity because yeah, uh- it more pools to tap into. I'm really curious to see what leaders will have found and C-suite level, I think drives a big piece, but what leaders will have found some success in this, but who will ultimately, because they need eyeballs on their people, right? If I can't see you, maybe you're not really working. Who will ultimately, Melissa Mayer, everybody back into, for those who remember, Melissa Mayer pulled everybody back into that, no more remote working for Yahoo ages ago, right? Pulled them all back in. So who will just say, screw it, you're getting back into the office. I, I don't care what worked and didn't work. It will be really right. interesting what talent stays or goes. And if they have that sort of mayor effect on talent that isn't allowed to be remote. Yeah, it'll be, it will be interesting. I know a lot of Wall Street firms, for instance, are saying back in, I think Goldman was leading that charge from what I read. Um, you know, my, Michael Dell recently was um, 
on a, on a show, talk show. And what his commentary was, what will be the real test is when somebody says, you got to come to the office and a competitor says, you don't. Exactly. And where's the talent going to go? And that will help, I think, filter out what is the real direction and, and what is the impact on one way versus the other. And I do think you're right about bringing up Melissa is are people willing to go all in right now or is it really going to be a slow let's see because we don't want to overextend and then have to figure out how you rein it back in once you go a little too far it's going to be an interesting journey I'd say over the next uh, 12 months certainly the next 24 months as we see where everybody everybody's heading yeah year of calibration Alan you are amazing. I love when I get a chance to sit down and just talk to you one-on-one. Thank I will you. also love to see you with our mixologist in the, in the leadership meeting coming Hopefully up. I'll be there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. And uh, I, we, just, we just really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity, Chris. All right. Take care. Thanks right, for bye-bye. listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.